Every day, the world tolerates less and less of traditional masculine behavior, which has driven a new standard for men to be successful. How does one evolve so that they can win in today's world? Enter Man of Class, a place to empower men to break down traditional masculinity and build the necessary skill sets, mindset, and confidence to become the men that society desperately needs. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Man of Class podcast. Today, I am excited to introduce a special guest, not only because he's been a buddy for the past few years, I'd say probably more than just a few years, um, but also because he's had an extraordinary story that we'll get into today. So with that, let me introduce him. This is Chad Sutton. He's down in Nashville, Tennessee, and he started a company a little over a year ago, I think. Let me just make sure that's true called NextGen Capital, where he has been brokering um, different real estate deals. Uh, I think you've got a couple right now. So you've got not only just in Tennessee, but also in Georgia that you're working on. So with that, here's Chad Sutton. Yeah. Hello from wherever you're tuning in. Uh, thanks, Eric, for having me on the show. This is great. Um, yeah, the company is NextGen Real Capital. You know, we, we founded it in 2019, uh, kind of on top of a family real estate business we had already. And, um, you know, not necessarily brokering deals, but we're actually acquiring deals from an investor perspective and, and using private equity to do so specifically in the multifamily space where we, you know, basically buy underperforming apartment buildings and turn them around, spend some money, apply some rigor, and then sell them at a, a much more profitable standpoint a few years later. So um, yeah, uh, happy to be here, Eric. And the reason why some of you may be wondering, well, why, why are we talking about this today? When we think of lessons from a pandemic, one of the biggest things, and Chad can get into some of this, is it actually all this started, by the way, when we were talking, Chad and I, about a quote that he told me from Warren Buffett. Be greedy when others are fearful and consequently be fearful when others are greedy. Said a little bit more holistically because that's just sort of within the investing piece of it. Zig when others zag and zag when others zig. And so specifically, Chad has a very interesting story because of the choice that he had chosen during the middle of a pandemic. Why don't you share a little bit of of what's been new, you know, what you've sort of encountered here, applying that principle to zig and zag. Yeah, absolutely, Eric. And yeah, I mean, that, that's that's one of many Warren Buffett quotes that I'm sure we'll unpack in this uh, in this <laughs> session. But uh, yeah, I mean, in the spirit of zig versus zag, it's it's also be scared when others are greedy and greedy when others are scared in, in a simple way to put it. And the reason I say this is, you know, we, we started this company where we were trying to purchase, uh, you know, real estate deals that really had some work to be done and, and at a good fair price in one of the largest bull markets in history, right? We've been on a 10 plus year run in this mm -hmm. economy since the great recession and real estate has been no exception. Um, multifamily apartments are really, uh, uh, they've been a very desirable asset class for many years now. And the, in, the investment market has shown that because, you know, we want to unpack what a cap rate is. It's a measure of, of you know, the, what someone is willing to pay for an income stream, so to speak. But the, the cap rate compression, meaning the price of these multifamily assets has been going up so strongly for the past decade that, 
you know, it's gotten to the point where to, to compete and win for one of the, to, to compete for and win one of these assets, you almost have to pay too much for it and just reduce your return a little bit on the back end. And so that's really been the struggle is, you know, fighting with these hedge funds and, and, you know, people who have a hundred million dollars to place yesterday that really need, they just need to keep their money moving and they don't care if it's at 2%, you know, we, we can't do that with private equity. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in the spirit of Zig wishes Zag, honestly speaking for myself, I was terrified during this time. And, and, you know, Eric has also been my coach through this whole thing. So, I mean, we can talk, we can unpack that as well. But Eric saw, has been watching me do this from day one of the company and, and before. And you could probably speak to some of the, you know, walking me off a cliff a few times. But <laughs> when we were buying our first property, you know, that was not a single family, but actually an apartment building, we were terrified. And like, you know, what, what happens if the bottom falls out of the market tomorrow? And, you know, what happens if, if we have another 2008 and we're right at the top of the market buying at the peak price, you know, that, I mean, none of that happened, but you know, the, that was really the, mm-hmm. the, the, the danger. And, and we were really, because everyone else was being greedy and because mainstream was following, Oh, I'm going to go buy these assets and pay as much for them as I can just to get the asset. Right. That is what really mm-hmm. terrified us because mainstream is not what makes you wealthy. Mainstream is not what differentiates you. Mainstream is what gets the world in trouble. Okay. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to today and I'm going to rewind back to March when this whole thing hit, right? I mean, you know, we were under contract on, on, you know, about a, a $5 million acquisition in, um, you know, in Tennessee and, you know, 12 days from closing the deal, which if you know anything about buying these, these multifamily or or any large commercial asset, you know, you, you go under contract, you probably spend 30 to 60 days doing what we call due diligence and, you know, doing all sorts of engineering and environmental studies and, you know, really getting in the nitty gritty and making sure you're wanting to buy this. It's a business you're buying, right? So it's, it's no different Mm -hmm. than like what a merger and acquisition would be at a large scale. And then we go through the lending process, which is another 30 to 60 days. So it's, it's probably, you know, 60 to 120 days before you actually close the deal. So we were uh, through all of this, we were 12 days from the finish line. Okay. Everything was done. We had probably spent close to $200,000 at this point that was out on the line. Some of it was, was committed and some of it was just earnest money we had up that was no longer refundable. And we had a lender, you know, when, when the whole debt market collapsed on March 18th, said, we're just going to exit the market and drop all deals that we're doing and, and we're going to walk away, mm-hmm. um, which left us high and dry, you know, missing about $4 million that we needed to close that deal. You know, <laughs> So it was, you can imagine that was a, a scary time for us, but, you know, that was a really I'm going to say gut check. That's the, that's the biggest thing I can say is it was a gut check time for us because we were really having to constantly reevaluate, you know, as we were looking at these, these recovery lenders who were going to help us get it done for a price, you know, we went from good debt terms to like paying 3% of the loan up front and, you know, 12% interest rate and just, you know, stupid terms that made the deal not work. But it was this constant gut check of, you know, okay, well, with this situation, can we still do this? Should we still do this? Are we putting investor money in danger? Are we putting ourselves in danger? You know, and the more we got through it, you know, after probably, I think it was 20 days of, of long days and, and gut checks. And, you know, we finally got this thing turned around and got a lender that was going to help us get it done fairly. And 
coming out the other side, we, we were so convinced of, and we still are, of, of the fundamentals long-term of this sector and the fact that we were buying this thing, we were buying it right. You know, we, we got a, a good deal on it. We were below market, even at recession rates, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and so in the spirit of, of zigging versus zagging, I can tell you 98% of deals that were in process when this happened, people pulled out. And they were because they were scared and, and everyone started doing it. So everyone else followed and a lot of people lost money and a lot of people said, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and wait until things are good again. Well, when things are good again, you're not investing. That, that's, that's, you know, it's kind of, it, it's almost like speculating. You're, you're trusting that because everyone else is doing it, it's the right thing to do. Well, if everyone else is doing it, it's already happened. You know, the, 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 the good, mm-hmm. the right time has already happened. So, you know, we are in, in our market, we are in, kind of the black Friday of commercial real estate right now, you know? And so mm-hmm. everyone else is scared right now. We are greedy. And it's, and it's interesting because as you were telling that story, a couple things sort of came up um, adaptability. And so when we just think of, of like what, what makes a man of class, like what does that really mean? Continuous learning, adaptability, supporting of others and striving for success. You've kind of had kept those fundamentals along the way, right? Striving for success and having that adaptability. And one thing that you had talked about was sort of having your own fundamentals that you were like, the fundamentals still checks out. Mm-hmm. Lost an investor. Now we got to go pull this string. This happened. Now we got to go pull this. But it was only through that careful adaptability that got you through on that other side right? That kept you in that race and kept you going. So that at the end of the deal, like you said, you still knew in your heart that that was, that this was still the right thing to go do. And then on the, looking back at it, you're going, wow, I really am glad that you guys stayed with it versus maybe being one of those that had pulled out or closed the doors or et cetera. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then not only on top of that, you must be like a, a hankering for another sucker punch. Um, or gut check rather, is after he closed that deal, we had gone through fast forward to this was maybe a month ago, right? You're, you're probably coming up on at least a few weeks, if not closer to a month of walking away from W2 and being a, yes. <laughs> in a time when people are, are nervous, right? The, again, zigging versus zagging. Like this is one of the major zigs and zags uh, that you've done this year, which was there's a lot of people in fear of, of having a job, whether or not, you know, the whole economies, whole industries are, are collapsing all around us. And you had looked at it and said, now is the time that I want to step away because just like you had said, this is the Black Friday in commercial real estate. So now if, if there's going to be a time for me to walk away, this is the time to walk away, to not kind of follow that same sort of stream. So talk to us a little bit about what was going through your mind, sort of juggling and, and getting that courage to say like, now is the time when the whole, you know, economic collapse is happening. Now is the time to, to step out on your own. Yeah. When you put it that way, it makes me sound like a lunatic, Eric, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, that, how to unpack that one. So, you know, another, you know, in the spirit of Warren Buffettisms, right. Another Warren Buffett quote is when the water recedes, the naked man is exposed. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You know, when, yep. when the water's at everyone's necks, you can't tell who's naked and who's closed for those, those of you who are dense and didn't get that. But, <laughs> um, you know, so when the naked man is exposed, so the, so the water has receded, the water is receding mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, details like, 
you know, people who, who all of a sudden they had only an increase of 5% in their, in their vacancy, you know, people who couldn't pay rent because they lost their jobs and they, they had bought these things so, so tight, so expensive, like I was talking about before, you know, mm-hmm. so much over market. And, and all of a sudden with just because the wind blew a little bit, they can't pay the mortgage, right? Well, they're in, mm-hmm. you're losing the property. So they had to go and, and do these mortgage deferral programs and things of that sort. <clears throat> well, that's the naked man. You know, if, if, if anything happens, you know, their empire topples because they, they didn't, they didn't use sound fundamentals when building these businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I mean, yeah, you're right. When I was looking at, at everything, I'm like, okay, th- like the time to start investing and the time to build your business is not when times are good. It's when times are bad. And, and the right. reason is because you have to be in position to take advantage of those opportunities. Opportunities don't just fall in your lap. You know, see if I get this quote right, but it's, it's opportunities when preparation meets, well, maybe I got that wrong. What is it? It's, um, preparation. Well, anyway, point is the, the good opportunity is when you're prepared and ready for it, right? So that the opportunity is going to come, but you, if you're not prepared to receive that opportunity and capitalize on it, it's going to pass you by, right? Yes. They're not coincidences, yes. you know? So that was really the the thought process of, okay, this, you know, we're growing. And if we want to grow and scale at the rate that, that we need to, that we need to at this time, you know, we, I've got to be full in on this thing, you know, and, and my partners yeah. do too. So, you know, I, I came from a time where I was balancing, you know, a job as effectively a global supply chain executive. You know, I was balancing being a husband and a father yeah. and I was running a company. You had a lot on your plate. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, you walked me off the cliff many times. I don't know how I did it for so long, but um, you know, I was proving a concept and I, and I, but I'm also a provider for my family and I had to make sure I could do that. Um, but it, 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 people use the word mindset too much, but it's really what it is. Right. And it's hard mm-hmm. if you don't understand the concept of mindset, then this, this is kind of arduous, but it, it took, I, I had to prepare myself for this. Like it, it took mm-hmm. several months. I don't know. Was it, was it years? Maybe it, at least several months of, of, yeah, preparing my head to say, okay, I know that if I pursue this goal and I take massive action to get there, I will get there because I have confidence in my ability to execute, be resourceful. And I think Eric, my, my favorite quote of Eric's is, you know, you're climbing a staircase, but you have to have the faith to know that when you take the step up, the stair is going to be there, even if you can't see it for all the fog you know, and so, and then you take the next step and the next step and eventually you get upstairs. But, you know, at the beginning, you're looking from the bottom of the stairs up and you're like, how in the world can I do this? You know, I don't know how to get up there. You can't see the stairs. You know? and, and I, and I remember those were real conversations. This isn't just, um, just sort of hindsight of like, oh yeah, we didn't really know what was going to happen. No, the, these were real and raw conversations that, that I remember us having where it was, well, how am I going to do this? And how is this going to happen? And how is that? And, and it, it, totally is true. The, the faith in that confidence in yourself of knowing whatever your end goal is and taking that next step, knowing you may or may, you know, that step may be six inches high. It may be a foot high. It may be just a a half a centimeter high. Who knows? Well, yeah. Um, progress gives you clarity and it's only through that clarity that you can then start to, to keep going. But your mindset, your mind is set up to say, if anything is foggy, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I need right. to have everything perfect. I need to have, you know, that perfect crystal polished staircase in order to go after my goals. And 
And quite frankly, that's always a dream that never comes true. Humans love certainty. We, we, we hate mm-hmm. change and we love certainty. Like some of you may hate or love this a little bit less or a little bit more, but in essence, we all love certainty and we hate when things change. And, and once you, you mm-hmm. know, certainty or what you perceive as certainty is staying in a job you hate or living a life you're not satisfied with because it works. You know, yeah. the, the, and, and I, this is uh, the, the gentleman's name here is Earl Nightingale. I'm about to quote. And if you go look at this, you're going to hear a 1950s record recording, but it, it's called the strangest secret in the world. I listened to it last night um, at the request of one of my other business coaches. Uh, co- I have many coaches, by the way, as Eric will tell you. But um, the, the he was saying that the uh, the opposite of courage is not cowardice. It is conformity. Right. And so when you, when you allow, it's real deep. And and when you just reflect on that a little bit, conformity says that was what I was doing. You know, before I, before I broke out and started this company, that was really what I wanted to do. I was working a job that I hated. It was ethically wrong to me. I'm not going to say who it was with, you know, you can Google me if you want, but it was ethically wrong to me what I was doing. And I kept it because it, 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 I made a lot of money and it, you know, it let me put food on the table and, you know, it was, Mm -hmm. it was quote secure. Now, realistically with any W2 job, you're only ever a week away from termination. So remember that when you think it's secure, but you know, getting, getting that through my head, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, to really go out and live your best life and, and to, to really go out and, and, you know, like, like, like how many of us would really love to just wake up and be, be, totally satisfied with where we are, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the life that you've built and the opposite of conformity there is courage and the courage to go and, you know, build the right mindset that supports you in executing those goals is key, you know, and that, that's, that's a hard one to unpack, but that's, um, yeah, that's, that's the secret. <laughs> yeah. And, and it wasn't, and this has been sort of a, a long time coming, right? We we met. I'm trying to go back. It's oh, Lord, probably you and I almost 2011. 2011. Yeah, <laughs> so I was going to say it's almost been a decade because we're nine years instead of ten. But let's just call it a, a sake of that. Um, yeah. The amount of time that we spent, we probably doubled up on the time. So let's just say it's a decade. Yeah. <laughs> but but I remember our earlier conversations back going out and drinking on the weekends was around, we felt like we had more to give. We didn't know what yeah. that was, right? Again, that internal pull where we said, there's more from us that we that we were going to go do, that settling into this life wasn't about us, right? That's not where we wanted to be. We had bigger dreams, bigger aspirations to make a larger impact on society. Talk to us a little bit about that path from where you had those ideas and dreams of you wanting to go do something more to what was the catalyst that really took you in to say, now it's, now is the time to start to take that first step where that courage may have come from. Wow. That, that's a, that's a long time coming. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm having fun going down memory lane there because I can remember, you know, many of those, of those nights at the bar in Cincinnati, you know, <laughs> and, and, and talking about how we thought we were so much bigger than what we were doing. And, and we are, you know, at the time we were, I mean, we were, we were entry level employees in a major corporation, you know, working, astronomical hours and going to school at night mm-hmm. and their program. And, you know, it was, I mean, it was all wonderful. It made us who we are. And, you know, I'm not saying it's beneath us, but, it, you know, we, we, we definitely, 
have grown a lot since then, both of us. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking about how much more we wanted to give in life. And, I, you know, over, it took me many years to get here because I, you know, I, I was raised in a, a, the financial world of you, you go to school, you get the awesome job, you work till you're 65 and hopefully you've saved enough money to retire. Right. So it was, mm-hmm. it was that, that was right. I, I had succeeded in my mind. I, I had the six figures. Well, not at that time, but eventually I got to the six figure salary and I, I thought, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Why am mm-hmm. I miserable? You know, right. And, and yeah. what I, what I realized, and I never, I never really would have pegged myself as someone with a giving heart. Like I, I was actually pretty selfish. I thought, but mm-hmm. what I, when I really started unpacking, and this is probably, 2016 when this happened. It was the year my grandfather okay. passed away. Okay. Yep. I remember that. He was very sick and we won't, we won't unpack that, but I was actually having to not go visit him in the hospital as much as I wanted to. This is someone who was probably the biggest impactor in my entire life. You know, one mm-hmm. of the biggest, and, and I, you know, I, I don't want to belittle anyone. I have many, many people who have impacted me greatly, my, you know, my father, my mother, my grandmother, but you know, I was super close with this guy, right? Yeah, you were. Yeah. And I remember, you know, in his last three months of life, I made it down for one week when he first went in and one week at the end, you know, and it's like, wow, if like that was really important to me and I couldn't do it because I was trying to make someone else happy, you know, who had my mm-hmm. paycheck. And so that, that's probably what started the, okay, I, this, this isn't the right life, you know, cause I'm dependent. I'm so dependent on someone else that I can't put emphasis on what I really want to do. And then beyond that, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm a Christ follower, you know, I mean, everyone can unpack this however they want to, but it, it you know, I, I believe in giving to others, you know, give what you want. If you want money, give money. If you want help, give help. If you want knowledge, give knowledge. You know, I believe in giving mm-hmm. what you want to receive. And then, and the Bible tells you to do that as well. you know, so when I started trying to, to, to give more religiously, I realized, good Lord, this is putting a strain on my finances, you know? And it's like, but, and so I hated having the mindset of, you know, I have to take care of myself first and then I'll give to those who need. And and that could be financial, that could be time, whatever. Right. I didn't, I never had the time to go Mm -hmm. take that mission trip to Costa Rica and build a house. I never had the time to go volunteer on a Saturday, you know, for, for many years. And I honestly didn't have the money to make much of a difference. I mean, you can give a thousand bucks a month, but that's 12 grand a year. That's not really moving the needle for anything, you know? I mean, right. so having all those thoughts, I finally learned that in order, in order to help those in need, the, the, the best way for you to help those in need is to not be one of them. Right. Because mm-hmm. when you're not one of them, you, are the opposite of that and you control the financial resources to where you can do that. So, you know, part of our mission here, I mean, and I, I feel so fortunate because I discovered the vehicle to do this, right? I discovered a vehicle where I can very quickly take care of my family and make sure my family and, and my kids and their kids and all that are taken care of for, for time to come because I figured out how to buy cash flow. You know, money, a million bucks is not going to make you rich. You know, 2 million, 10 million is not going to make you rich. You've seen people who win the lottery and they're broke in six months, right? Cash flow. Football players. Right. Yeah. They cash have a, flow. a punch of money and it goes away yeah. just as quickly as it can. Yeah. And it's, it's not even about riches. It, you know, wealth, it has many forms, but, but financial, I mean, you know, there's wealth of knowledge, wealth of, of relationships, but when we're talking about financial wealth, cash flow, it is not a nest egg you're building that your financial advisors tell you. It is cash flow that sets you free 
and allows you to do what you want. So what I've learned how to do is buy these little cash flow machines, not just for myself, but for my investors as well. You know, we all do well together. I've also discovered that these cash flow machines I'm buying, the more of them that I control, which in this affordable housing space, the more safe and quality housing I can provide to those who need it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, all the excess cash flow that I like, you'd be so surprised once you have what you really need, like there's only so many toys you're going to go buy. Right. Once you have what you need, all of a sudden you realize how big your heart is and you, you figure out, Oh my gosh, like now that I have all this abundance, look what I can do with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's where you start being able to really make an impact. Like, like what if you bought a building that could supply the operating budget for a church for a year, you know, like, like think about that. And what, yeah. what, what are you having to do for that? You're probably having to touch it once a month to make sure it's operating right. You know? So mm -hmm. like th that's what really got me down. And I'm, I'm probably so far off the question you originally asked Eric, I'm just rambling now, but th that's what, this, got this me, is good. that's what got me to the point of, I want to do this is I, as I figured out the vehicle and I figured out that what I want out of life is to still have an influence when I'm gone. And I want to teach my family to do that. And I want to have the ability to give more than I've made in 10 years like that. You know, Yeah. see how good that mic is. I hope that snap picked up, but you know, <laughs> so, so anyway, I mean, I think that's what really did it. And then realizing that I, I didn't have to be condemned to a life of conformity that, you know, you, you have to break out of the herd and go against the grain and you'll get there, you know? Yeah. There was, there was an interesting um, when you were talking about, there's only so many toys that you're really going to buy. There was an interesting quote and I can't remember who had said this, but they said, if you're, you know, if you're a jerk without money, you're just going to, once you have money, you're just going to be a bigger jerk. That's all sure. at that money. Money is only going to show you more of who you are. Money amplifies your persona. That is true. And so I think that's exactly what you're, what you're saying is, is once you've got your knees, we're so focused on making sure our, our knees are covered, making sure our knees are covered, some future thing out there. And then once you get there, you're saying, well, shoot, this isn't right now. You have nothing else to, to really go after. Then you start thinking beyond yourself. Yeah. And that's when life really starts to open up yeah. because when you can start looking beyond just your own household and your own eyes and you can start seeing other people's pains or like in your case, when you had said to be able to not only help, you know, investors make the money affordable housing for folks that may not have a great opportunity or still working on their journey in order to, you know, whatever that case may be that you're giving beyond yourself. That's when life really starts to open up for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, we've just started in our company, we've just started coaching with, with Trevor McGregor, which, which is, you know, it's a kind of a scaling coach helping us figure out how to get from where we are to where we really want to be, which is, you know, much larger private equity firm. And, and, you know, he's got this saying, and I'm not sure if it came from him or Tony Robbins, maybe you've heard it too, Eric, and, and used it, but it's, 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 it's the impact to income ratio, right? It's like you, for, you get the income, but you know, as you're building whatever it is you're building, whether it's, you know, a real estate company or, you know, a, a, an internet business or, or, you know, just a non, a nonprofit or, you know, a W2 job, whatever it is, if you can figure out a way to figure out what impact you want to make, and then you focus your, your sources of income 
on ways that will help further that impact, you start getting that impact to income ratio that, that goes up, right? It's impact over income. Yeah. And as that goes up, you will be so surprised how your emotional energy goes up and how you like, it just feeds your soul, you know? Yeah, it does. It really does. Yeah. And that's, uh, it, and you can be a living testament to that because yeah. of just your journey of where you had been, which was really a catalyst back to your grandfather. And so what's really interesting is as you begin and, and, and grow your business, the impact that your grandfather still had on your life. Because one could argue that if it wasn't for that, you know, your, your connection with your grandfather and everything that had happened, you may not be in the position now where you walked away from your W-2 and are looking to scale to higher and higher growths. Yeah, there's a couple of things I could attribute there as well, because not, not only was it that, but, you know, when my, my business partner actually took over the family real estate business when he passed away, and that that honestly was our start into real estate. And then we started figuring all this out, like, oh, my gosh, this is where we need to play. But so there, there was, mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's a couple of those things to unpack. But that's right. I mean, you know. The, the the notion here, and this is a Tony Robbins thing as well. It, it's um, let's see if I can remember all the the acronym here. It's it's T femur. So so there, there's first you have a thought, and that leads to a feeling, and that drives an emotion, mm-hmm. and that then drives um, motivation. I'm almost mm-hmm. there, and then that motivation drives action. And that action drives results and that, you know, Mm -hmm. figuring out how to get from the thought that you're having and the emotion all the way down to the result is, is, you know, the art of, I don't know, the art of creation, I guess. But once you start to map it out that way, you realize how your, your thoughts, feelings, and actions are connected. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you're totally right. I mean, starting with, starting with the thought I had back then of, man, I really, I really would like to be in control of my life and, and, you know, not be at the mercy of a fortune, mm-hmm. fortune 50 corporation, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I remember going through just those, those same, same exact things, thought, feeling, action. Are your thoughts and your feelings consistent with each other? Because if they are, then they'll give you those actions and they Aren't you proud of me, Eric? It's not just a Tony Robbins I, thing. It's an Eric Yusko thing. I tell you, I just listen to you say the same things. <laughs> I, I love it. I absolutely love it because that, that just attests yeah. to just how powerful this stuff is. I know we've said mindset over and over again, but it really is the core essence. We ourselves, what separates humans from every other being on the face of the earth is our brains. Yeah being able to have the consciousness and the uncon, you know, and the subconscious programming that, that takes us all around. And so mindset really is, you know, it, it probably is overused, but it's because it's the most underutilized thing that humans have yet to truly tap into. Some people have gotten into it and others are just starting to graze that surface. But the deeper you get into it, the more you start to realize how much you can actually unlock for your own life. We unpack that for a second because what you said is so true. And, and going into this this Earl Nightingale thing, I was talking about the strangest secret in the world. I mean, this is a guy who recorded back in like the nineteen. I think it was nineteen fifty four. So this is not mm-hmm. new information. And there's another yeah. book. I forget the guy who wrote it, but it's called Think and Grow Rich. I'm listening to it Napoleon right now. Napoleon Hill. Yes. Yep. Boom. Napoleon Hill. Again, written what like in the the um, oh. 
Yeah, yeah, the Vanderbilt a... and, and Rockefeller times, you know, like talking yeah. about those titans of the industry. The information is the same. And the craziest thing is, is we as humans, we, we undervalue what is free and we overvalue what is paid for. That's why you see a lot of these coaching programs and stuff that have, they cost some money. One, because someone's giving you time to, to train you, right? But the mm-hmm. other thing is because, you know, if it were five bucks, you would think it's, you wouldn't, you wouldn't engage, you know? And it's a sad Right, you'd be reality. like, I'm not going to show up for $5 because it's only $5. But if somebody right. says, I'm going to charge $500. you $50,000 yeah. or $500, yeah. Yeah, you're going to start to pay attention and go, okay, I'm, I'm legitimately going to be engaged. But here's yeah. the crazy thing. Go back to the free side of things. What are things that you're given for free? You're given your body, your brain, your, your family. How many of those things does humanity really undervalue? You know, and, and like, let's go to the brain you're talking about. Yeah. The title of that book is not do and grow rich. And I'm quoting, I'm quoting multiple of my coaches, including Eric here. The, the, the title of that book is not <laughs> do and grow rich. It is think and grow rich. So no one understands what the word mindset is like, yeah, mindset. I got it. Mindset, mindset. No, no one understands that. Think, you know, ha, if you think about what you want and the goal you're trying to get to, and, and you, I mean, it, it is 80% thought and 20% action of getting where you're going. It is not a hundred percent do and work hard enough and you'll eventually get there. Look how many people who are working on the hamster wheel and hadn't gone anywhere in 50 years. You know, right. that, 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 so underutilizing our brains is the, is the problem. Like we have to, mindset is about thinking about what outcome it is that you want, formulating those goals, figuring out a plan to get from A to B, to climb those stairs, and then having the guts to take another freaking step when you can't see the one that's in front of you. You know, that, that's it, brother. 100%. That's it. Yep. No, I think that's, I think that's. Very well said. And it's, it, I'll, I'll close with this is mindset isn't a check in the check box. Like you, like you had said before where people are like, Oh, like mindset. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I got that. Yeah. No, if, if you're saying that, I'm sorry, but humble pie will be served to you. Yes. And it has nothing to do with maybe, you know, served to one person, not to everybody. I myself am served humble pie every single day, no matter how much work, no matter how many books mm-hmm. I read on mindset. Mm-hmm and thinking about and, and, you know, manifestation and the law of attraction, all these different things, but it doesn't ever, I'm still not finished. It's not, you know, there's not a point where I read something, I go, Oh, wait, I already know all there is to know about that. It's, it's a like, lifestyle. How do I, right. How is it that maybe I unpack a different angle or a different lens or, or maybe something that I take for granted again, as humans, we underutilize or, or, undervalue the things that we have for free. What is it that I'm undervaluing? Am I undervaluing this friendship? Am I undervaluing my relationship with my wife? Am I undervaluing all of COVID? Everyone again is in this panic, but there's so much value. And that's part of what that se- this season is about is just what are the things that you can take that are free that you can start to, to move your ship in the right direction and really start to grow. And so the same with mindset is that it's not a check in the checkbox. It's not once you, once you understand mindset, you can say, Oh, now I'm good. Now I'm going to get all the success in life. It's that's something that is rent that's due every single day, just like working biceps or working out in the gym that needs to be curated over and over and over again so that you can get everything that you want in life. Man, I'm gonna have to use that. Yeah. Your, your mindset rent is due. Yeah. You gotta, and it's, it's, it I think you'd like that as a real estate guy. I love that. Mindset. <laughs> 
That's good. All right. With that, do you have any last minute comments that you want to share with, with our audience? Oh, I think I've rambled long enough and, and you know, I hope, I hope this was valuable. I mean, it, it's, everyone gets on a podcast, you know, and, and tells their story and, and people will listen to it or not, you know, whatever. But yeah, it, it's, I do hope that at least some people take a little bit of, of lead from where I've come in my mindset journey. And it, and it truthfully, mm-hmm. it, this, where I've come has 80% to do with my mindset and getting my mind read and learning to use my mind for positivity and, and yes. you know, you think negative thoughts, you're going to have negative results. You think positive thoughts, you're going to have positive results. It's as simple as that. I don't understand how the nature and, and, and you know, cosmic laws make that happen, but it does. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you know, you could unpack that on, on 10 podcasts, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really it, you know. So, I encourage everyone to, to, to go down that path. And I could recommend books and things to read. But like Eric said, working on your mindset, it is it is a lifetime of commitment and, and you will, whether it's to become the CEO of your company, to be really good, to be the best teacher you can be, to be the best mom you can be, you know, to be the best puppy daddy you can be, whatever it is you want to do, yeah. you know, you have to know it in your mind and go after it. And, and so mindset is something for anyone, whatever you want to perform in, you've got to excel. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I'll, I'll make sure to have your, your website and your email if you want listed in the show notes so people can reach out to you. But just as a, as a quick plug, where can guys go to, to reach out to you as, as they grow on their investment journey? Uh, Chad's always looking for different deals and, and different investors looking to grow looking to grow their yeah. portfolios. Yeah. There, there's multiple ways to work with us. And even if you just want to say hi and, and, you know, figure out how to get started yourself. I mean, we're happy to talk with you. You know, we, we love giving of knowledge, but yeah, if, if you go to our, our company's website, uh, www.nextgenrealcapital.com, that's N-E-X-T-G-E-N-R-E-A-L, capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Uh, I'm, I'm learning that's hard to say over the air, so I'm going to have to work on that. <laughs> and then the um, you can get us by phone. I'll give my cell phone out to your people here. I don't usually do this, but 615-892-0250. Um, we're always looking for uh, uh, partners of various capacities on these things. We, we do use the collective group mentality on these. So if you want to talk about investing, if you want to talk about you know how you can add value to us by bringing a deal, whatever it is, or you just want to call and say hi, I'm open to it. So thanks for having me on, Eric. Awesome. Well, with that, keep, uh, keep swinging, keep moving forward. And until next time, have a great rest of your day. All right. Take care.